Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. I am your host, James Shimo. It has been a hell of a lot of time since we've been together, but I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's staying safe. I know there's a lot of craziness going on right now, but hopefully you're able to pull your eyes away from that election drama for just a little bit and let us take you into a whole world that has a little bit more drama to it, but way, way more ridiculous and way less consequential, that being the world of professional wrestling. I am not alone here today. I am actually here with one of my good buddies. You've heard him here on the show before. He is the one and only Mr. Ryan Payne. Ryan, how's it going, bud? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, uh, I'm kind of like half in, half out with this whole catastrophe, but luckily, there. But even despite the whole quarantine situation of being inside, I'm still able to find some good content to watch, so I don't have to, you know, be too sad about this. <laughs> right. And I think we do want to we do want to emphasize one thing, you know, when it comes down to the real world stuff, like we know what's going on with the election and things of that nature. We know how big and how historic and how important this is. But regardless of where your politics fall, whether you're on the left or the right, it doesn't matter. Don't let what happens with this election stop you from being a decent person. Don't go off throwing a temper tantrum if your if your candidate loses, don't threaten violence. Just be a good person. Continue to treat the people around you with respect because, let's face it, we can let the politicians be as rude and as nasty and as just absolutely diabolical to each other as we want to, but or as they want to, I should say, but it shouldn't give us carte blanche to do the same. We have to be the ones to set the right example because clearly our politicians are not able to right now. So just continue treating your, your neighbors with respect because you're the one who ha- they are the ones who deal with you every day. They are the ones who are in your life every day. Not Donald Trump. Not Joe Biden. What happens with them is not going to affect your immediate world. Yes, it will affect it in the grander scheme, but your day to day is not going to be as monumentally affected as you think it's going to be. Be kind yeah. to those around you and just be a decent person. One hundred percent agreed. Uh, it's obvious, everybody. I mean, of course, you know, uh, we don't we. we I think right now it's good that we get this off our chest right now. So when we start talking about our predictions, it feels good that we're going to have a full head going in. And yeah, let's be honest. These past two, three days now Mm -hmm. have been completely stressful. And some people are still like on their Twitters or constantly on Google or are watching their news channels, wondering which, which, you know, which, which one is up to date. And look, guys, just don't worry too much about it. I mean, look, this is a big decision. What's happening? What's, this is going to be a big moment for all of us here, and no, nothing can deny that. And regardless of where your personal stance on who you voted for, you have to understand that whoever is elected is going to reflect us, whether you like their personality or whether you like their political stance. But I do want to leave our audience with just one thing here, really quick, and this is something that a friend of mine actually sent via Facebook and sent via email. I don't know if you've seen it or anything like that, but this sums everything up. Perfectly. It's kind of around the same thing of what I said a little bit earlier, but it, it, it explains it way better. It says, after the elections are over, your neighbors will still be your neighbors. Trump won't be there to ring up your groceries. Your neighbors will. Biden won't be there to fix your car or help you out with the yard work. Your neighbors will. Both Trump and Biden will stay in their wealthy political world and will be in ours. They'll both be doing their thing while you and I live together, work together, learn together, shop together, eat together, worship together, and pump our gas next to one another. We are what makes America great. We are the ones who choose to be decent, 
loving, caring, and compassionate human beings. Vote for whomever you choose to vote for in November, but remember, we, the people, choose to shape our communities, not them. I, I agree with 100% of that entire statement from that email that you just read. Um, no matter what happens day to day, it's going to be us, ultimately. The people in our lives, the people who we live with, the people who we interact with. And I just hope after all this is over, we can at least try and I mean, try to, you know, to not be so divided amongst ourselves. I don't want to be preach or anything like that, but it's obvious. We're all literally divided with this, with this, with this whole pandemic going on. Yeah. Hopefully, by the start of next year, things will get better. Yeah, let, let's hope so. And, let, and let's be real here. When it comes to, I want to bring up one thing because I'm sure you're familiar with the Gettysburg Address, correct, Ryan? Yeah. So within it, there is a line from Abraham Lincoln that said, a house divided against itself cannot stand, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That is true. So, and and it's shocking that we are the most divided that we've ever been as a nation. But I think it's important to remember that that division only serves to help one person or one group of people. And that are the politicians who want to use that division to get themselves reelected for their own personal gain. Do not let it happen. Keep being who you are. If you have a political disagreement with one of your neighbors, just calmly talk about it. Don't yell. Don't scream. Don't treat anybody as less than because we are all human beings. We are all Americans. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum we sit on. We still all deserve to treat one another with respect. And that is the last word I will say on that. All right. All right. Without any further ado, now that we've gotten off of our uh, both gotten off of our collective collective political soapboxes. Let us go ahead and get into what we really came here to talk about, which is the upcoming pay-per-view, AEW Full Gear, this Saturday, November 17th, or November 7th, excuse me. No worries, man. Live on pay-per-view, and boy, oh boy, this this one's definitely looking interesting. I know last year's Full Gear had a lot of good matches on it. This one is actually shaping up pretty to be pretty stacked as well. Um, the one thing that I will note and that I will talk about is the build for some of these matches, at least two in particular, just seems a little rushed. But all in all, though, I'm still looking forward to what we're getting ready to get. What are your overall thoughts on this weekend's upcoming event? Yeah, I can understand uh, with some of the... I mean, of course, with some of the matches on here, some people are going to question, like, what, what, where's the build to this? Where's the feud? And while... Let's be honest, but 75% of these matches, they have a solid build and feud to it. So I don't mind that two, maybe uh, maybe one or two of them are just immediately placed on the card. It, it works because it's kind of they kind of they kind of work like it's a good transition period for all of us. So we don't have to get too caught from a story a heavily story built match, and then we get fall to another story built match, and then to an intense feud. That way, we don't get emotionally drained throughout this entire card. True. True. All right. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and rock right into this. First of all, and it is worth noting that we are recording this on a Wednesday, so there may be more matches added to this in the build-up over the next two days. Or it's a Thursday, I'm sorry. We're uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. So it is important to note we are recording this on a Thursday, so there may be matches added between now and Saturday. There might not. I know one was actually added earlier, which is the one that we're actually going to get ready to talk about right now. This is the one that will be showing up on the buy-in. The one that was originally scheduled to go on the buy-in has been now moved to the main card itself, which, trust me, we'll get to that in just a second. But our match on the buy-in is for the NWA World Women's Championship. 
the champion Serena Deeb defending against Allison Kay. Um, I'm a fan of both of these ladies. I think Serena Deeb has been doing a lot of great work since, you know, she got herself clean and she started, you know, really getting back into pro wrestling. She had a nice little time. I believe she was working as a trainer at the uh, performance center at one point, And then she kind of moved her way back into the, into the just overall indie scene. And now she is completely contracted with AEW. So, uh, I haven't been following a lot of what's been going on with the NWA. I did follow power for a little while, but then of course COVID hit and they weren't able to do their studio shows anymore. So, um, but either way, like both of these ladies, you know, Allison K, we may remember her better as, uh, what was her name? Sienna, I believe in, yes. in impact. impact was yeah. Sienna. So it was, so, but she's great. She's got a great, like, just like a boss, like a boss ass bitch attitude, if you will. Uh, I I dig it. I dig her work as a heel. I dig her in-ring work. So I think they're going to bring a really interesting dynamic to this match. So I'm curious to see how this one pans out. Again, about the only thing that I find interesting is that the that AEW is giving airtime to an NWA championship match. Does this mean there's going to be a continuing working relationship with the NWA moving forward? Uh, I have absolutely no idea, but considering I think Serena won the title, what, maybe like a week or so ago from Thunder Rosa, because I know Thunder Rosa was the, the women's world champion from the NWA when she faced Hikaru Shida at the last pay-per-view, so it had to have been fairly recently that she lost that, right? Uh, yeah, it's like very recent because of this last, cause last week's Dynamite was when Serena defended it against Layla Hirsch. Right. So, yeah, it was like, it's very recent. And I'm actually looking forward to this, too. Uh, I uh, From early stuff of Allison K when she was Serena Impact, she was a very great, dominant heel, or whenever she worked as, like, good, strong muscle to Maria Canales. But even then, she was always still, like, the, the, the woman you would see either in a, like, good feud or in a strong title picture. And then... When I got to see some of her independent stuff, either when she participated in the Mae Young Classic or when she actually started becoming a more prominent figure in NWA, you can tell she is uh, like she's very impressive in the ring. Her match against Thunder Rosa for that championship is still very rewatchable, in my opinion. I mean, just the, the emotion that comes off of them in that match, how great they work together. I mean, and also Thunder Rosa's the one she when Thunder Rosa won the title is just like it, it, it's like an exuberation. Um, so seeing her do a one off, kind of like a one off match here in AEW, I actually look forward to it. Could it be like Serena when Thunder Ro- when she fought Thunder Rosa? She impressed the higher up so much that they'll offer her a contract, or it's just for Allison because she's now done with the NWA. Does she feel more of like I just want to just wrestle? I don't want to be tied down to a company. If that's true, if that is one of if and that if that guess is correct, then I still look forward to see whatever Allison K does. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But like I said, for for my money, if I'm if I'm putting money down on this match, I'm going with Serena to retain. Yeah, same here. Yeah, but it's it's going to be a heck of a match one way or the other. So we'll get more into that here. Uh, at, for the actual pay-per-view. And yes, we will be doing a review of the pay-per-view after the fact as well, which I'm actually very much looking forward to, especially after we get the results of some of these matches. All right, moving on. The sh- match that was on the buy-in, which is now being moved to the main card, Orange Cassidy versus John Silver of the Dark Order. Um, Huh? 
was my first reaction <laughs> when I heard about this match. Like, where did this come from? What, like, don't get me wrong. I love Orange Cassidy. I think his character is great. But this, to me, came about as far out of nowhere as that concept for that Mel Gibson movie, Fat Man, that's coming up right now. <laughs> like, just way out. Like, I'm wondering, like, where, like, how, when, who, what, huh? Like, that uh, That was my first reaction when I heard this. Like, how did this get started? This Was this something they were building on BTE that I just missed? Like, what the heck is going on? But either way. I think um, it's a mixture. Yeah. But regardless of what it is, uh, one way or the other, I, I I don't think I'm going out on much of a limb here to say Orange Cassidy's winning. Yeah, I wouldn't see that. I wouldn't go that far off too. Although it would be shocked that it would be surprising they give John Silver the win because um, I think it's a mixture. I think this match was sprung out of nowhere. But at the same time, I think that with John Silver, the work that he has done on BTE at, with his character work and the fact that. Um, I mean, if you just look at the if you just look at the statue and size of him, I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy literally looks like he could be a mini version of bodybuilders that Vince McMahon just loves to drool over when it comes to WWE. But still, John Silver's like he's a great character, and and also at the same time, um, there were the early reports Alex Reynolds, his tag partner, unfortunately had gotten hurt, so yeah. I think he's gonna be off maybe for a while. So it could understand why Silver is getting this match. Just, I don't think they're seen as a singles push, but I think it's more to continue maybe a bit of a, a slight storyline with the Dark Order and Orange Casting Best Friends because from what I've been watching at BETE before Brody Lee was off TV, it, it looked like they were building towards a feud between Best Friends and Dark Order, which made it look like it was going to... And of course, the two times that... Uh, Brody Lee had fought against Orange Cassidy for the TNT Championship before Cody made his return. Right, it kind of feels they're, they're trying to get they're trying to do kind of like some aftermath or just pick up the pieces, you know, not just for John Silver, but also to keep the Dark Order involved. Because to be honest, no other member of Dark Order is on full gear, and for John Silver to be that member, I don't know, it kind of works for me. But like I said, this can be one of those transitional matches for us. Like wherever it's placed on the card, honestly, is going to dictate. On you know not its importance, but just the energy and the tone, and you know just the yeah the energy of the pay per view. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, yeah, John Silver has done great work, and yeah, he's he's ridiculously jacked. But let's face it, um, Vince would probably if he if he did go to WWE, Vince would probably just think he was part of that ill fated juniors division that he tried to make back in what was yeah. it oh five oh six when he was running that thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now. Yeah, his, his character work on BTE is great, and heck, everything that the Dark Order is doing on BTE is great, but let's face it, for now, John, John Silver is just, you know, put in the position of what I call the DOJ, Dark Order Jobber. So, unfortunately, that's just his role right now, and you know what, at least he's having fun with it. You're not nothing wrong. Else. You're not wrong, honestly. <laughs> yep. Alright, but yeah, both of us are going for Orange Cassidy there, no real difference there, so we'll go ahead and we'll move to the next match. <clears throat> Maxwell Jacob Friedman, a.k.a. MJF, versus Le Champion Chris Jericho. If MJF is able to win, then he will be joining the inner circle. Um, I could really see this match going either way, but I feel like if they're going to advance the storyline, I feel, I feel like what's going to happen here, and again, go with me on this. We both know, based on this past week, that 
neither uh, Ortiz or Sammy Guevara are very happy with the idea of MJF joining the inner circle. I feel like they're going to try to get involved to cost MJF the match, and it's going to end up biting Jericho in the ass. So I, I, I'm pretty, I'm going to, and again, to advance the storyline and keep the, the comedy of things like Le Dinner Debonair going, I've got to give it to MJF on this one. Yeah. I'm also the same too. This could go either way. But at the same time, I, look, to be honest, throughout the whole entire build of this whole thing, I liked how Jericho and MJF were able to, you know, keep this going without the two ever having a physical confrontation. Like this week, this past a week of this, just as a yesterday dynamite, you got to see when it got aggressive. Pretty much, Jericho calls uh, MJF soft. Now we're seeing MJF get aggressive. I think if MJF wins, I think two ways can go either. Two ways can come out of this. One, if MJF wins, one he joins the inner circle, and then they're going to start the storyline of him trying to undermine them so then he can assume leadership. Or two, he beats Jericho but then refuses to join the inner circle just to prove that he can beat Jericho and that he was better than them. Yeah. Pretty much put, yeah, pretty much giving Jericho another loss and uh, maybe holding it over Jericho to where you can, you can maybe put, maybe you can start to see a slight face turn happening from Jericho to where either he gets, he gets, you know, he isolates himself from the inner circle or inner circle turns on him. But either way, uh, personally, I think Jericho is going to. I mean, Jericho has been very good with the young talents. He's always done his great job trying to put them over, always giving them the like the better hand when it comes to the promos. Mm-hmm. But but still, it's Jericho. I mean, if he's not going to hurt either guy, honestly, no, no, no one's going to get hurt from this. Despite what some people or some articles I've read have said, if MJF loses, that's not going to hurt him. MJF can bounce back. Like, because be honest, when MJF lost. To John Moxley, some people thought he was not gonna get that steam again. But look at him—he's in this—he's in this great angle with Chris Jericho. He's he clearly bounced back. So uh, if I'm really going to put something down on here, I'm gonna go with Jericho. All right, first one we differ on. All right, very cool. But but let's let's be fair here and let's let's not lose sight of the fact that. Le Dinner Debonair was absolutely fan-freaking-tastic and absolutely hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Dude, like, especially for a guy like me who, you know, when I got started in, like, musical theater and stuff like that, I really did enjoy the style of guys like Sammy Davis Jr. and, you know, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, the whole Rat Pack shtick. So it just hit just the right spot for me. So, yeah. all right. Moving on, well, who knows? Maybe my theory will be completely out the window because it depends on when, at what point this match takes place for one Sammy Guevara. It is the Elite Deletion, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Um, this is obviously going to be a, a more cinematic match, and I think that's going to be a good thing considering the last time these guys tried to do a match live, Matt Hardy almost cracked his freaking skull open. So, um, and especially, I know Hardy won that last one, uh, but again, I don't think it was a definitive win in order to keep his, like, to keep that promise of him staying in, you know, AEW, not having to retire or anything. So, and again, just because it's it's an elite deletion, it is one of those matches, Hardy's got to win. Um, yeah, because, look, after what happened at All Out, and I'm pretty much going to be repeating to what everyone's heard, 
We thought Hardy was done, honestly. Not with wrestling, but I just thought this angle was done. I thought Hardy was done with trying to be this, uh, trying to take these extreme bumps or so. And it looked like a bit that Hardy might transition back to, ju- might transition to just be like a backup talent or kind of like a supervisor, like like a like a manager. Uh, yeah, manager position, like what he's doing for Hardy. But then it cleared once Sammy Guevara was brought back. They, it wasn't long before they restarted this feud. Them. To me, I think they, they need to put a button on this feud, but this Elite Deletion, I think it's going to be a cinematic match, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely going to be, and it and it, and it needs to be in order to yeah. mitigate yeah, any of the risk. It's going to be a nail match between Swole and Baker. It's going to be that kind of match, honestly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But uh, So, final prediction, Sammy Guevara or Matt Hardy, who's winning? Well, I mean, with the way that's been going with Sammy... I think he's going to have more fire if he loses, so I'm going with Hardy. Yeah, I'm going with Matt Hardy as well. All right. So pretty quick, pretty easy. Not a lot of in-depth analysis on this one because, uh, like I said, with this match in particular, it it feels like it should have been over by now. This might be their way to finally put a cap on this thing and finally let these guys go their separate ways and hopefully let Matt Hardy rest for a freaking minute. So let's hope that is the case. All right. Up next, we have the AEW World Championship Eliminator Finals. It is Hangman Adam Page up against his former tag team partner, the revitalized cleaner, Kenny Omega. This, I, this among at least two other matches on this card, have the potential, in my view, to be match of the night. Agreed, 100%. And... As much as I want to give the edge to Hangman, and I want to give him the win because I feel like he deserves it with the the stuff that he's gone through with a lot of these storylines, I can't bet against Omega on this one because, let's face it, with what I'm anticipating happening with the AEW World title match later on in the night, it's setting us up for a great match either at Revolution or somewhere in between now and then, and I... I love the long-term storytelling that's going to go with it. So, and don't get me wrong, Hangman, you know, he's full of piss and vinegar. He's pissed off about the way Kenny's basically abandoned him since they lost the World Tag Team titles. This is going to be a hard-hitting, just physical match on the part of Hangman, and it's going to be, I I feel like with this new aggression that we've seen from Kenny, it's going to be just a straight-up, just real stiff match from both of these guys. But ultimately, it is going to come down to Kenny Omega and that one-winged angel, so... I'm giving the edge to Kenny Omega. Yeah. That edge, I think, is there, too. I really don't want to count out... I don't want to count out Hangman as well, but I think because of the... Because when a, because when you take a t- when you take a break and you take a step back and you look at some of the long-term storytelling that AEW has done, especially with Hangman from their first year after the first all-out, leading him to becoming tag partners with Kenny Omega... Then to the long form storytelling, his pretty much his rise to Hangman, then his fall with the with the with the return with FTR coming in. I think I think this feud's going to a clip to another. I, I'm gonna here's the thing. I'm gonna give my vote to Kenny mainly because I think with Kenny, I think with this new attitude he has, he he seems like the right guy to dethrone Mox and then maybe possibly set up a world championship fight between him and Hangman. And also with Kenny as the champion, 
I mean, look, Mox is fantastic. I love this new turn he's been doing. But Kenny, he has lived that hardcore wrestling, not hardcore wrestling, but that hardcore wrestling style, that New Japan Strong style, the um, energetic, athletic ability we have seen that we have seen in places like uh, like the Cruiserweight division, like in Ring of Honor. Kenny can adapt to those styles, and he does great psychology in the, in the ring for good storytelling. I think with Kenny... Winning this, winning this, and hopefully challenging Moxley, I think can open avenues to more possible dream matches. Yeah, I'll absolutely agree. However, I will say on a personal note, and you can you can attest to this because you were there. How awesome was it to be on board the ship of Jericho when Kenny and Hangman won those titles from SCU? Oh my god, it was awesome. It, 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 it's a it's an incredible feeling. Yeah, can't wait for the triple whammy. Hopefully. Everything allows us to set sail with that with no hang-ups. But in any case, let us move forward. So both of us are going for the cleaner Kenny Omega in the World Championship Eliminator Finals. Moving on, we have the AEW Women's World Championship on the line. Hikaru Shida defending against one native beast, Nyla Rose. Um, So this match came right the fuck out of nowhere. Yeah. Which this because, one kind of feels like it's a mixture of it, I, this match feels like it's been a mixture of negligence or just unfortunate timing. Right. Well, I mean, and it's a fact of the matter is like, especially in the last couple of weeks, it doesn't really feel like there's been any focus on the AEW women's division. Period. Like, with the exception of the announcement of this match, what was it last week? It doesn't really feel like there's actually been any movement in the women's division or even a women's match on AEW television in forever. Yeah, and it sucks because and, you know when they were touting like how great their their women's division was going to be back when they you know opened this whole company up to see it just get stuck on the back burner like this it it really sucks. Yeah, I think the women's division is unfortunately it fell apart. I think it's one of the biggest uh, victims to this pandemic that's been going on. I mean, some people are going to say it was not great when they were starting out, but here's the thing: when you saw the women they were bringing in from double or nothing. And then you see later on during the first three months of Dynamite, Kenny wanted to introduce Kenny and the Bucks. Or I think mostly Kenny wanted to introduce the audience to Joshi Wrestling. He wanted to give Joshi Wrestling an American audience. So unfortunately, wrestlers like Rick Baker took a back seat. The ones who I, who I thought was going to be the pillar of their of their women's division, but when yet, but I think it was because of the surprising um, support behind Riho that people started to gravitate towards her, so it was kind of like at a hot... It felt like most of the booking has been kind of like, um, like right on the button, you know, like, they try to, they, they see where the audience is at, and they try, and they want to capitalize on it. It's not like with their tag division, or their, or their curtain singles run, they can have time to build their long-form stories. Unfortunately, with most of the women's division, you have no idea who is going to be available, who's going to be able to take advantage of it. And from what we saw with Brick Breaker when they had her as a face, she had a hard time gelling with the audience. And it's not until now as a heel, she is gelling with the audience. She's really becoming her own. So that's why I think, for right now, for my prediction, I'm going to go with Hikaru winning. Because I think with Brick Breaker now back in the ring wrestling again, she is the next challenger at pretty much that revolution. It's going to be her and Akaro Shida. It's going to be that match that most people wanted before Britt got injured. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're going to see, and personally for me, I think that that's when they're going to capitalize on Britt Baker. But even then, with Nyla Rose, she was, from, from what I've heard on Dynamite and what I've looked at the standings, she's been the number one ranked woman's content. She's been the number one, she was the number one ranked woman for weeks on end. Maybe, maybe it had something to do with scheduling or because of, you know, restriction during the pandemic that she couldn't be able to wrestle. Like, I don't, I don't know a lot about what's going on, but yeah, this did feel out of nowhere. It was just kind of like, we need to, we need to give, we need to put this belt on the line. So they're going to do it. I I mean, I'm still going to defend the women's division. I still think they're going through rough patches, but once they finally get an idea on what they want to do with it, they're going to, they're going to absolutely succeed at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough to see because you know with such advances that have been made with women's wrestling in the last number of years to see a company struggling with their women's division like this it, it hurts it really hurts but uh, I mean at least they are trying though at least they're yeah. trying to find an identity for it instead of like with other companies where they have the identity but then they let it go because they're because they think they you know because they want to do like this because they want to focus on a plan instead of trying to highlight what's great about their division. Yeah. All right. Well, in any case, uh, yeah, I'm also picking Hikaru Shida to retain because yeah, I do believe like down the line, either at something like revolution in February or even maybe at uh, next year's double or nothing, we are going to finally get Shida versus Britt Baker. And that match is going to be absolutely insane. And I'm ready for it. All right. Next up, we have the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line. If the Young Bucks lose this match, they will never challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championships again. They're taking the Cody aspect of this. We have FTR, uh, Harwood and Wheeler, alongside Tully Blanchard, taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Now, one thing I do want to bring up that has been brought up in in social media and things like that lately is apparently... Since July, roughly speaking, Matt Jackson has been wrestling with a partially torn MCL and a strained ACL, I believe. Uh, However, I will go ahead and share this from the Young Bucks official Twitter account. It says, I appreciate everyone's concern about my injury. However, I have indeed been medically cleared by my doctor to participate in Saturday's match against the Boar Horseman at Full Gear live on pay-per-view. Thank you for your support, Matt. P.S. F. The Revival. So this this match is definitely going to be an interesting one. Like I said, th- uh, this is one of the ones along with the AEW World T- uh, Title Eliminator Finals that has that potential to be that match of the night. We've been waiting for this match for the longest time. I personally would have expected us not to get this until either next year's Double or Nothing or even further to that to the next All Out. But... This uh, this match is going to be close to call. On the one hand, you've got FTR, who are great representatives for tag team wrestling in AEW. On the other hand, you've got the Young Bucks, who've helped to build AEW, and who, in the next two weeks, have a new book coming out called The Young Bucks Killing the Business from the Backyards to the Big Leagues. So... Could they potentially be putting the titles on the Young Bucks in order to help further promote those book sales? I don't know. Personally, I don't think so. That's just me, though. I mean, the Bucks, they've been able to sell 
they've, they've been able to sell their own merch without even having championships. I mean, let's be honest, during their first when during the first six months of Dynamite AW, like I remember, I remember the first three months, the Bucks were always shown on BTE. Like after every Dynamite show, they were just giving away pieces of the ring to the audience just for having them be there in attendance. All the new constant merch ideas they were coming up, whether it was simple or it was just plain stupid, they were able to get over. God, those merch freak I mean, segments were nuts. Yeah, make them say, "Uh, dude." I can I can I can't wait until fans actually fully end up going back into wrestling arenas again, so we can get more crazy shit like that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my! I would not be surprised. The first two months of Dynamite, we're gonna see more stuff like Cody and the Bucks. They're just gonna rip off turnbuckle pads. They're gonna tear off sections of the ring and just throw it to the audience. Be like, you guys are here. You're with us. Like. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that, but yeah. still, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cody take off a pair of his wrestling boots and just throw them to somebody in the audience. Yeah, <laughs> or heck, give up, or like, uh, give whenever he came down a suit, he would just throw off a jacket. Or heck, he even once, uh, he was. He, I think he gave a kid a watch. Or no, hundred dollar bill. He gave him a hundred dollar bill. Hundred dollar bill. Yeah, hundred dollar bill. Yeah, not his watch. Hundred dollar bill. Yeah. It was just the, that insanity. But even then, I think with the Bucks, though, this situation they put themselves in, yes, it heavily mirrors Cody. But I think with the Bucks, I, um, yeah, this should have been saved for maybe Revolution or Devil or Nothing. Give it to another act team. But I think because of Full Gear coming up and with the storyline, maybe because of Matt's injury, possibly the Bucks, maybe they felt that this was the right time to, to fight FTR. Maybe give the people one one match between them to see if they can build to a maybe to a series of matches between them and FCR. If not for the championship, maybe for other personal stakes involved. Um, I do want to go for the Bucks because I don't want to see that same situation to where they don't challenge for tag team belts for the rep for as long as they want to continue the storyline. And also, I think with FTR losing the belts. It would be a nice change of pace so we don't have to worry about long reign tag, long reign champions. As much as I love the idea of a champion with a long reign, to me, if you don't give them a feud to help to really solidify that reign or championship matches to really back up their, their reigns in general, then they, they just fall flat. I've seen that too many times with WWE. I've seen, I saw that a couple of times with NXT and, of course, a few times with Ring of Honor and Impact. And even New Japan, though, like a, a long reign, not every feud or every match needs to be a five or a six star, but they need to have weight. They need to have, they need to have importance to it. So hopefully, may possibly, the Bucks and FCR can do like a bit of a, a trade, like a trade off with the tag belts. Really value their importance. So Maybe. I will go with the Bucks. It, it's a possibility. Although I will say this. With the injury to Matt, I don't know if they're going to use this as an opportunity to lose and then let him heal that up. I don't know. I don't want to see it go the the realm of, you know, the Cody thing of never being able to charge for the challenge for the, the tag titles again. But then again, we know they're probably going to just make a set of six-man titles and just put those on themselves like they did with the TNT Championship with Cody. But Well, I, I would love for a six-man belt because with the number of tag teams they have there... And if they constantly keep wanting to set up factions or 
like uh, you know factions are stables. I think a six man belt would be fantastic. Say, heck, they just uh, they just signed another tag team to AEW earlier this week, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, I think they were they called Top Flights or uh, something like that. Hey, I'll look it up. Go ahead and talk. Yeah, but what I'm saying, I think the six man belts can not only help add more uh, like layers and division to their tag team wrestling in general, but I think it would really work with trio groups like we see with Best Friends and Orange Cassidy, Jurassic Express, even with the Dark Order, the fact that there's there, there's four, three separate tag teams in that group. I think a trio would work that way, especially with Kingston, with his little family group he's working on with, because let's be honest, it's made up of two prominent tag teams, which are Butcher and Blade and Lucha Bros. Neither of them can go back and forth with those tag belts. A six-man can do great work, especially, I mean, it says a lot, and it can also help mix other, it can also help help highlight other stars in that company, like, um, if people have been watching BTE, everyone's aware of the angle that have been going on between Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon, their constant losing streak, where they were, they were, they had constant losses as singles wrestlers, they became a team, they were still losing, and then it finally concluded at this BTE where one of them had to win. And I love that build too, because it wasn't just about how much and how bad they lost, but in ways. It was the first time that a company used countouts and disqualifications to matter in that company. And the fact that it all gelled for a dark match between the two of them, where the biggest stake was that one of them just needed a win. That's it. One win. And I can see how well that works. And if people already know the outcome of that, great. If you don't, don't go on to eight. Don't go on to pro wrestling tees because once because there's a shirt they have that pretty much spoils the outcome of that match. Yeah. But even but even then, I see some of the wrestlers they have on dark can also be a great avenue to highlight trios or six man tag team championships. And it's a great way to use everyone in the company. Okay, so um, I did find that tag team that. Uh, that they signed this week. Uh, it's Platinum Max Caster and the five-tool player Anthony Bowens, otherwise known as The Acclaimed. Okay, it's not yeah. top flight. It's not that group I saw on Dark. But I will say this. You bring up an interesting thing with like the, the storytelling between Brandon Cutler and uh, Peter Avalon, and I think that's going to play into what my prediction is for this match, and I'm going to be very, very specific in this. I think this match is going to a time limit draw. That way the Bucks don't technically lose. Therefore, they get another opportunity later on down the line to make it a much more, you know, high profile match when it comes to something like a double or nothing or an all out. I don't think they're going to blow their wad 100% with this match. I think they're going to go all out, but I think it's going to go to that time limit draw. I would like that. Uh, I would like a time limit draw as well because, let's be honest, the Bucks. I mean, the AEW so far, they every time when you see a dream match or opponents you don't want to lose, they they really they, they they bite the bullet. They they make the tough decision by giving someone a loss. Like when you see against, like when you had Kenny versus Pac at All Out, everyone thought it was easily Kenny. They flipped the switch. It was Pac that one. And then the same as well when you have other wrestlers, like up and coming wrestlers coming up, like with Lance Archer. He took on so he took out a lot of wrestlers that some people thought did not deserve to lose, like Dustin, like uh, uh, Colt Cabana, and then Cody was the first one to give him his loss. And since then, you know, it's just kind of like AEW—they make the hard choices. Some people might not be happy with it, but at the same time, 
at least you're giving definite you're giving solid conclusions to matches, not yeah. constantly open ended like you're seeing with WWE like they like to do it. Yeah. I think correct me if I'm wrong, but as of right now, weren't there have there been only like what, three or four time limit draws in AEW's history? Because you had Cody and Darby Allen at um at uh, Fighter Fest. Uh Pac and Moxley, yeah. Um then you had um Cody and Orange Cassidy not too long ago. Yes. And then I don't know if wasn't there one more, I think. What? I thought I felt I feel like there was one more, but maybe I'm wrong. I think that too. Maybe there was one more. But if if there was, like I said, somebody I'm sure will uh, correct us. But for now, let's just say three. Three in almost a year and a half of existence. That's not bad. You know? So, again, it shows that they're willing to go that lo- that realm and they're willing to use it sparingly. So, like I said, I feel like this match is going to go time limit draw. That gives the Bucks a loophole to be able to challenge for the titles in the future. Also, so FTR can hang on to those titles and keep touting about it until the match with the Bucks does eventually come up. Yeah, the 20 minutes of greatness. I actually do like that angle. Yeah. Yeah, now, again, we don't know whether this is going to be a 20-minute brush with greatness or if this is going to be the full 60-minute time limit. So if they're going the full 60, then maybe I'm way off. With championships, they are the full 60 because they have – they did that against against the best friends. Mm-hmm. Where they, it wasn't twenty minutes, it was. Well, that's the thing is those twenty minute brush with greatnesses that they've been doing on Dynamite have been for the titles. That's true. Yeah, it was just like that time for the sixty minute. It, it, it could it that I'm gonna say because that's the thing is right now maybe they've got it set up this way, but maybe the day of FTR go in and say, you know what, we're gonna make this a twenty minute brush with greatness. We're not doing the full sixty minutes. These people don't deserve to see us wrestle for close to sixty minutes. And honestly, we just want to get out of here so we can enjoy some cold beer. Yeah. So maybe that's something. Then maybe that comes back to bite FTR with the stipulation and everything like that. Who knows? Well, we'll find we'll find out definitely. Okay, yeah. I was oh yeah, we'll definitely find out come Saturday live on pay per view. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next match. We have a match for the TNT Championship, and I'm really excited for this one. Not so much for. The actual match itself, but the fact that we just found out earlier this week that the trademark has finally f- fallen out. Cody is officially Cody Rhodes once again. Cody Rhodes defends the TNT Championship against Darby Allen. It feels so good to say it. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that, too. I was just in a bit of a... Not an argument, pretty much of a scuffle with a buddy of mine where he was trying to underplay that Cody can always still be Cody Rose. But I'm like, if you look at the big picture, you couldn't do that in AEW. But even then, I love the fact that when we're actually going to officially see, I know Cody has prob- Cody probably has said that he's still going to be Cody. But still, the fact that just there was, I'm going to say, there was a segment that went on after um, AEW went off the air on Wednesday where he was talking to the live crowd where he acknowledged the fact that he is Cody Rhodes once again and he said it feels so good to be Cody Rhodes. So I think he's yeah. definitely going to go by the Rhodes name without having to tack his wife's introduction on at the end of his introductions. No. And he could have, and he really could have gone like by his own original name, like Cody Runnels. But the fact that he goes to wrestling business and he wants to honor his father, I do appreciate that. Yeah. But in any case, this match is going to be absolutely nuts. And here's the thing. I love Cody. Met him on the Jericho cruise. Such a great guy. Got pictures with him there. 
whether it was the official meet and greet or after his match with Joey Janela the last night of the cruise. Great, great guy. Absolutely wonderful human being. Wish nothing but the best for him in everything that he decides to do. But I think this is the night where the trigger needs to be pulled and Darby Allen needs to become the TNT champion. That's just, I mean, you think about it. Cody came back, won that title in a hot shot, quick angle with Brody Lee. Didn't really make a lot of sense. Didn't really do anything for Brody Lee. Didn't do anything for Cody, really. Now Brody's off TV. He's gone and out of the way. I think Darby Allen needs to take this one. And heck, maybe he does after interference from Brody Lee in order to keep that feud between him and Cody going in the long run. I don't know. But I'm going out on a limb, and I'm saying Darby Allen on Saturday is becoming the brand new TNT champion. You are not alone. I, too, believe Darby Allen will My man. be the TNT champion. Mainly because, like Cody had said on Dynamite when he was uh, making his promo to Darby Allen, Nobody in the company had your. No one in the company were people in the company were unsure about you. He vetted him himself. He gave him that opportunity at Fighter Fest. I mean, let's be honest. That when when it was announced that Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen were going to be at Fighter Fest, I had no idea who Darby Allen was. Me along either. With maybe six seventy five percent of the fan base. But when you see him, you see the way he carried himself to the ring, bringing that body back, that match, how it was all Cody, and how Darby Allen took the punishment. You saw the first time Darby. You saw that match was pure perfection about how you get somebody over in a company and to its audience. Yeah. So the fact that I have no doubt in my mind Cody is going to do the same thing again with Darby, especially now that Darby has ingratiated himself to the audience. He's had a, he's had a shot at the AEW Championship. He's had a great matches against Mox, against uh, when it was during the time when he, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela were like doing the Cracker Barrel triple threat match. And also, this angle he has with Team Taz, I see no better person to put that championship on than Darby Allen because then that avenues into rivalry, his rivalry with Ricky Starks, and also more opportunities for people on the undercard. I can see Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky, Darby Allen Biggie versus Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen versus Will Powers, or hell, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. For belt for belt, like FW champion versus TNT champion. You, you, know? you I'm gonna say you beat me to the punch on that one because I was gonna say, can you imagine just how much it would burn Taz's ass to to quote to quote Taz himself? How much it would burn my ass if Darby Allen was not only the TNT champion but also won the FTW title? Do you have any idea how much that would piss me off, Cole? Like I can just see it happening right now. And honestly, if if I'm fantasy booking it. I'm I'm ma- I'm making both of those matches happen. I'm making him walk around with both the FTW Championship and the TNT Championship just to watch Taz's head explode. Yeah, you would get great promos from Taz. You would get an extremely pissed off Cage, and also you would you, Kate, Ricky Stark. Cage may have Cage may have not talked a lot in promos, but I'm waiting for the moment Cage gets to unleash himself on a promo. Ricky Starks has proven that dude can talk. Oh so yeah. One thing- him and Darby Allen for, for the TNT Championship would be a great would be a great title. And also, I mean, the Dark Order. If you want to throw Darby Allen against someone from the Dark Order, go right ahead. I can see him going against Stu Grayson, against Brody Lee, or heck, if John Silver is getting on that platform, him and John Silver. To be honest, dude, I can and see also, I can see Darby Allen having great matches with that TNT Championship against guys like Jungle Boy, against guys oh, like. Yeah. Um, Sammy Guevara against guys like Kip Sabian, Miro, like all of these different talents who could have these absolute classics 
with with Darby Allen, these star-making performances. Granted, yeah, even if Cody hung on to the title, yeah, we could probably still get stuff like that because we've seen him do it with other people in the past, yeah, including Darby Allen. Defenses, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just getting to know, to see Darby on the cruise, even though I don't think a lot of us actually had a chance to talk with him, you can just tell by the way he carries himself. He He's a down-to-earth dude. And I'm I'm behind him all the way, so my pick for the TNT title match is Darby Allen. I'm pretty sure in some of the other in the next group, I'm I'm pretty sure in my, the other stream I'm gonna be part with some buddies where we're gonna be doing our predictions. Some of them might not be behind Darby, others are just gonna be like they'll give it to him because they don't want it on Cody. <laughs> well, you you tell them for me they can kiss my grits if they got a problem with that. <laughs> all right. Oh, don't worry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be selling Darby hard in that group. Oh, absolutely. All right, and last but not least, we have the AEW World Championship match, an I Quit match between John Moxley, the champion, and Eddie Kingston, the challenger. This match is going to get bloody. Like, bloody. I mean, that, that, the promo between Kingston and Moxley, I mean, look, they were doing great promos when they were separate, but the fact that they finally went personal with each other in that ring, you yeah. see these men, they're going to... Not, not kill each, they, they are going to kill each other, but they are going to give the psycho. They're going to give us a good story in that ring. Oh hell especially, yeah! Especially, especially since Kingston has been doing the same uh, choking submission that Moxley has done. Yeah, the bulldog choke. Yeah, yeah. I can see certain match. I can see certain points in the match where they're going to choke each other so much they might pat. They might nearly kill somebody to where you might actually see them on a stretcher on the side of the ring. I'm expecting. I'm not expecting it to get. To that level, but I'm expecting it to get damn close to like CZW, like absolute insanity. Like I'm, I, I am fully. I expect somebody to be bleeding, a la Eddie Guerrero botching a blade job when he got hit with that chair by JBL. Uh, yeah, or heck, when you the con, or when you when Cody accidentally got when Cody had yeah. gotten cut from that boss chair shot from Spears. Yeah, you know what? Or heck, even when he cut himself up and taking that dive at uh at full gear a couple of years ago against Jericho. Or not a couple of years yeah. ago, but last year. Oh, yeah, that, you know, yeah, it was against Jericho. Him and Jericho, he took that suicide dive and hit his head on that ramp. Yeah, right on the... Yeah, smacked his face right into the ramp. But regardless of how bloody I, it gets, regardless of how many weapons they bring out, regardless of what they put each other through, Moxley's walking out with that title. This is why I feel that Moxie is going to drop the title at Revolution because this feels like a great crescendo to his championship run mm-hmm. to prep him for either Kenny or Hangman for Revolution. Yeah. Because, if, or I even mean, hell, they can do a title defense in January. I still think Moxley, this is the best feud for Moxley to go out on as champion. Agreed. Even Like I said, even if Kenny doesn't win it the first time around, if he works his way back up and really gets to it the second time around, like maybe he gets himself disqualified or something, or maybe Moxley accidentally gets himself disqualified because we've seen what they've put each other through in that lights out match. Again, last yeah. year at full gear, what these two are both capable of. I mean, that barbed wire, like trampoline looking thing that they pull yeah, out. Of betting, whatever oh, the heck that was. God, that, that was, ugh, I, that was hard to watch. Cause, I mean, the but betting, the ripping up the floorboards where yep. Kenny had gotten a bruise, he bruised up his eye. Oh my god! Even though it was sugar glass, like Kenny making Moxley crawl through broken glass to get to the ropes while in a sharpshooter, it was just it was brutal to watch. But I mean, one way or the other, like I said, Mox is walking out of there with the title. Kenny's winning the Eliminator tourna- uh, tournament finals, 
and we are going to get the cleaner versus John Moxley one more time for the AEW World Championship and just all the chef kisses in the world for toward that yeah. match cuz we know that if that doesn't go to a 60 minute time limit kind of thing and go damn near the 60 minutes they're doing something wrong 100% honestly i think they need to bring this match near its damn limits between them two. Because, look, one thing with, but, but it's going to definitely set the bar with King, Kingston Moxley. Or they're going to need to go out on a high or really set the bar here. Because yeah. Kingston, ever since he came in, he has shown not just his ability to promo, but the fact that this guy, he's able to, like most wrestlers, use personal relationships to really build a great angle. Oh, and people have seen his promo classes on BTE. <laughs> great. Funny. Is charismatic as fuck. Absolutely. All I know is I'm looking forward to this weekend. AEW continues to up their game in a lot of what they do. I mean, and you look at the different type. Like this is going to be AEW's first official I I quit match. Look at what they did not too long ago with Brody Lee and uh, Cody with that dog collar match. I I can't remember the last time I saw a dog a dog collar match. Imagine if Cody decides to go back for that TNT championship and challenges Darby Allen to a bull rope match in honor of his dad. Like, can you, like, they keep up in their game. A classic strap match. A classic strap match. Yeah, they keep up in their game with their stipulations and their storytelling. And the long term booking is what I appreciate most because Moxley facing Kenny for the AEW World Championship would just be the icing on the cake of that long-term story that's been brewing for over a year. It would be so perfect, and again, it shows that they're willing to be patient. They know that, yes, we are wrestling fans, but our attention spans aren't so short that we need to have this stuff shotgunned to the point where it's just so quick and over with, and then, well, now what are we going to do? We wasted we wasted all our ammo on this by shotgunning this thing so early, that now we've got nothing to move forward. And that's that's one of the great things about this company is they take their time. Yeah. They're not in uh, a I rush. Yeah, I can't remember the, the YouTube channel, but there's this YouTube channel I came across where this uh, where this guy, he was pretty much breaking down why the uh, breakup of Kenny and Omega, why Omega and Kenny's breakup was... Hangman, and, like, Hangman and Kenny. You said Omega yeah, and Kenny. Oh my bad. <laughs> it was pretty much like he has he had four separate videos in AEW. Why the Young Bucks versus Omega and Hangman was the best tag team match of the year. Why Omega and Kenny Kenny and Hangman's breakup was very was was so psychologically traumatic. Why um Jericho winning the championship at All Out was necessary, and why Moxley dethroning Jericho was also necessary. Like, And also the Bucks, and also the uh, long-form story tagline with the Bucks on uh, them going, uh, why it's been so good. Uh, yeah. Like, he, he was a break, and also how Darby Allen got over in one night. Uh, like, you see, when you really take a step back, you if you really look back at these matches, and you break them down, and you really see... And there's a lot of elements involved. Whether you heavily follow BTE or Dark, or you're always paying attention to commentary, there's all the they take their time trying to develop these stories. Sure, not all of them are going to go off and hit. Sometimes they need a few more moments to gel, like they did with Dark Order. They they went hard with them in the beginning. It didn't work. They retooled them. Now look at Dark Order. They are they're at the they're at the point where the where the company wanted them to be over. Yeah. 
And that's the thing is like WWE, the biggest difference I've noticed between WWE and AEW is that WWE seems almost afraid to build its own stars, whereas AEW has no choice but to build their own stars because any of the guys that they've got, or at least the majority of them, can't rely on a reputation from somewhere else. They've got no choice but to build these new stars. And even if they do bring someone in who hasn't been a necessary star in somewhere else, they've got to build them up in order to make them look good. Now, obviously, that hasn't worked out for a lot of people. Sean Spears is kind of in the same boat wherever he was when he was in WWE. But who knows? Maybe they've got something in the pocket for him later on down the line. Or maybe Sean's just fine minding his own business. He's probably got enough uh, difficulty running his flatback school throughout COVID and everything like that alongside Tyler Breeze. So, I mean, we'll give him time. I'm sure Sean will have his moment in the sun at some point. But- I do believe that. I, I think Sean's going to get there, too. I mean, um, even with uh, um, a fuck Jurassic Express, when yeah. they were starting, I mean, they're, they're still an over-trio group, they don't doubt. But I did feel that there was a plan with Jurassic Express to become like a, a great team. But then, of course, Marco Stunt, he got over and he and of course with Luchasaurus, he always had those quick. He had those not. He was not. He was not on the injury list, but he got those minor moments where he gets slightly hurt and he had to be off television for a while. Yeah. And of course with Jungle Boy, I mean, they wanted Jungle Boy to be a big star. I guess because maybe um, they just don't feel it's time yet, or they really want to get him over as a teams guy. But still, mm-hmm. I think each member of Jurassic Express has the definitely has that potential. To get hugely over. That's why I think with the with the inclusion of a six man championship, they can be one of the first two teams to really elevate those belts. Let me let me let me say this, and I'm gonna fantasy book for you really quick, and I want to know what you think about this. Imagine a star making performance, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. Four way TNT title match. Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Brian Cage, and Wardlow. Yeah, that's like a that's like a that's a dealer's choice. Oh yeah, that that that's a heck of a that's a heck of a, a heck of a foursome right there, if you will. Uh, but in any case, we are definitely going to be watching the results of this whole thing in order to see how our predictions shake down. I'm excited for the pay per view event. I know Ryan's excited for the pay per view event. Hopefully, you, our audience, are just as excited for the pay per view event as we are. It is coming up, as I said, this Saturday, November the seventh, I believe, at seven p.m. EST, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, yeah. check your local cable providers, uh, Bleacher Report Live if you are in the U.S., and of course, Fight TV internationally. Uh, Going to be a great amount of fun, and we will, of course, be doing a review of Full Gear itself. Uh, hopefully, we'll see, we'll see what Sunday brings, but I know a lot of us will be. I know I've got a busy schedule this weekend, not just with uh, doing predictions and you know reviews and everything else, but uh, in addition to this re- uh, review for this pay per view, you you and I will be doing a reaction and review to the next episode of The Mandalorian coming up tomorrow, uh, sometime later in the evening. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Like I said, busy busy schedule this weekend all around in terms of recordings. But whatever the reason, we are going to definitely try to be a lot more consistent with these shows. We might not do like a weekly thing reviewing like AEW, uh, NXT, Raw, or SmackDown, or anything like that. Because let's just face it, aside from SmackDown and even certain, only certain sections of SmackDown, most of WWE stuff's become unwatchable at this point. Um, I I do have to admit, there are some... I am still watching bits of NXT, but it's mainly because 
uh, sir, some of my favorite, like my really favorite wrestlers, have finally gotten the spotlights, and that's Johnny Gargano. Uh, Tony Storm has made her return, yep. and then also um, I'm really uh, digging uh, the new the new attitude they give in Kushida. Yeah, like I said, with the with the exception of NXT and portions of SmackDown, that's usually all we pay attention to, but. Who knows, maybe we can at least get a Dynamite review in every single week or something like that just to kind of break things up and fill some time between pay-per-views and doing predictions and things like that. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. This doesn't need to be weekly, though. I mean, we can always get together and talk about some of the good good highlighted sections of wrestling that we really thought that, that do deserve their own to be talked about, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because let's be honest, a lot of people are doing their own weekly shows, and sometimes there's some episodes or some wrestling. There's just some wrestling content that's just there's just not really a lot to talk about. Yep, yeah, unfair. But at the same time, you know what are you going to do? And speaking of things that are kind of unfair, um, best wishes and you know get well soon. Uh, obviously, he tested negative, but hopefully he's able to come back soon. Scorpio Sky did have his uh, match pulled from Dynamite this week because of. Uh, a COVID scare. He was in close proximity with someone who was positive. He has tested negative, but again, they are using the tracking and everything to keep him kind of isolated until he gets, until he's fully cleared. So uh, best of luck to Scorpio sky. Hopefully it's, it turns out to be just, you know, all, you know, getting worried over nothing. And he's able to be back on our TV screens very, very soon. And he can have that match with Sean Spears, like he was scheduled to. So, uh, but in any case, that's going to do it for us here today, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank my buddy Ryan for being here, as always. Thanks so much, man. Great talking with you, and no I look problem. forward to uh, reviewing this show with you sometime this weekend. I definitely look forward to it as well. Uh, so you, you're not going to lie. This weekend is going to be insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then my week next week is going to get even more insane with everything else that I've got going on with getting my new next-gen console and everything else that I have planned. But regardless, I'm going to find the time for it because it's what I love to do. And I don't do it because I like making money at it or anything like that. I do it just because it's what I love to do. But in any case, once again, my name is James Shima. He has been Ryan Payne. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We've rambled, we've raged, but it's all for the love of professional wrestling. And we will see you all next time. Until then, see you later. (laughs) 